This episode is brought to you by ShowMeTheCovers.com. Use Grapple for 25% off. Folks, welcome to another episode of Elite Edition, presented to you by Wranglers of Grappling. I'm Matthew Priest, being joined live in the car. Special edition. Special edition, Nick Braxton. What did we do today, bud? Man, we drove the three and a half hours from Portage, Michigan to Indianapolis, Indiana, and checked out the Squared Circle Expo 2021. Had ourselves a good time. Yes, we did. Who did we meet? The list is, I won't say endless, because it did end, but we met Big Dust, Dustin Rhodes, uh, Sammy Guevara, Darby Allen, Billy Gunn, Al Snow, Charles Wright, Big Glenn, just to name a few. It was a fun day. Also met a snake man, right? Oh, we met the snake man there, yeah. Snake man. Snake Snake man, many characters. Uh, that uh, were named there by Mr. Braxton. We're also featured on this past Wednesday's episode of AEW Dynamite. That is correct. A great, uh, just another big episode of Dynamite. Like we talked before, we were really looking forward to uh, this episode. Four matches that were main event quality, main event caliber, and man, I think we got our main event caliber matches with most. Uh, little hiccups along the way with that eliminator and some injuries, but we are ready to talk about dynamite. You have to excuse us; we are driving right now, so. Hey, man, here's some background noise. Quality of this episode uh, might be ship shape, might be more like a McClure gas station. You're just right. not 100% sure what you're going to get here. You may have seen me in such films as. Are we talking about Eugene Nagata and John Moxley, or are we talking We're about Trent Yeah, <laughs> so Dynamite opens with a quick uh, John Moxley, Eugene Nagata split screen, uh, them warming up backstage, and it gives me, like, it gave me some big match field type vibes, like, it's a, a level of importance to this match, which it is, it's, uh, you know, Moxley's fourth IWGP US championship uh, defense, and just this little... As much as we backed down production, especially last week, this quick 15, 20 seconds got me off to a, a great start. Started those goosebumps rising, and they only got higher as the show went on. Yeah, it's a cool visual. Uh, I like the energy Excalibur was bringing to what he was saying. A lot of passion, a lot of fire, getting ready for the match. However, I didn't understand a word Excalibur said. He spit off about 15 Japanese names, it felt like. In 15 seconds, it's like, slow down. But, uh, no, it, it definitely brought that big match feel to it immediately. Anytime they had that shot, uh, the old classic. It, like, it was very MMA. Yeah. Real fight. Yeah. Production value with the, the split screen here. And real quick, they just ran down that, that match to, you know, kick off Dynamite. Uh, we got the opening video, and here we go. The IWGP United States Championship being defended. And awesome, again, sticking with this aspect of production, Eugene Nagata out first. They start with him in the back. He's got Red Narita with him. Uh, and they follow him to the bowels of uh, Bailey's place, to, you know, right to the curtain and through. Made us just feel that much more with uh, Mr. Blue Justice there coming out. And then 
surprise of the night. Uh, the Trogs playing over the uh, PA system at Daly's Place with some wild things. And John Moxley out with Eddie Kingston. And I don't know if this is just a one-off with uh, the entrance music, but, man, that just made this that much more special, it feels like, or it felt like. Yeah, no, definitely gave it a big uh, um, added to the big match moment. Is Moxley moving to the song going forward? Is this just a New Japan thing? That was one of my questions for, but I, I, I like it. Good good song, uh, interesting entrance, interesting choice, too. Wasn't quite the Onita uh, vibes, that, but I'm sure that's what it was an homage to. Yeah, I mean, Onita did come out to Wild Thing. Uh, you'd think if they were going to do this, they would have done it at the pay-per-view, but yeah. regardless, I'm glad they did it. And it was just it just made these entrances and this match feel that much more special and more important. Uh, and it was a good match, man. They went about ten minutes, and they packed with action. And good Lord, Yuji Nagata, as old as he is, I mean, I want to say it was four or five years ago, he participated in his last G1 Climax tournament. And I really look forward to that. It was, I think he might have won two matches that year. But every Yuji Nagata match was special and something to watch, and it was so much fun. And Yuji Nagata, four years after withdrawing from G1 participation, still putting on stellar matches. The man knows how to work. Yeah, no doubt about it. The match was fine. Um, I, I think it, it started a little shaky, uh, almost like a feeling out process, trying to get on the same page. But once they clicked, uh, every minute that went by, the match got better. And that's how a wrestling match is supposed to be as, as it continues. It gets better. So I, I, I like the match. Um we had a couple cameos during the match, too. We saw Rocky Romero from New Japan's front office and Rapongi 3K fame uh, in the crowd, as well as uh, Big Lance Archer and, you know, the snake man in the crowd <laughs> checking out this match. And no so that looked good. Yeah, no doubt about it. My only uh, minor issue with the match was just, like, John Moxley, world champion. Like, he is a was just the world champion. He's fighting for the world title. He's one of the highest perceived competitors in AEW. Yuji Nagata, the fans of Dynamite, not many are, uh, or the casual fan is what I'm talking about here, they might not be all that familiar with him. So to to Joe Blow, it's just some old Japanese guy who's given this former world champion a fight for his life. I like the match. The match was good. But their perception of a your world champion guy fighting an old guy uh, might not be there. This could have been a matchup maybe more suited like an Ethan Page or a Jungle Boy or somebody younger, even if Nagata went for the TNT title, um, where it is perceived, yes, it's main eventing shows, but it's not that same caliber guy as Moxley giving him a, a hell of a fight, but great match. Yeah, well, I think the, the promo package of the video from last week really put Nagata over uh, and, and the guys on commentary, especially like Tony Schiavone talking about Nagata and Ultimate Dragon and their feud and calling matches back on Nitro, there's a long history there. Uh, if you can get past, I mean, first of all, usually Nagata still looks like he's in phenomenal shape, but if you can get past like the quote-unquote old man look, the guy can go. Oh, yeah. Those kicks are fucking stiff. Uh, fun match. Moxley does go over. Uh, he went over... He, with uh, the paradigm shift after some forearm exchanges. There was a forearm exchange. Uh, Moxley got like a Muay Thai clinch, hit a couple knees to the face, and went right for the paradigm shift. One, two, three. Moxley 
we retain. Fun match. Just, uh, uh, I think I said I think this was one of the two or three uh, two matches I thought this was gonna kick the show off. It does, and I think they booked that right. This match, yeah. even though most people don't know Yuji Nagata, uh, they do after this match. It was very entertaining, very well done. No, I uh, look Brianna being a good match. Um, do you think that after Moxley has been doing the blood sport stuff, if that had any influence on the Nagata being the guy, since Nagata has worked with Josh Barnett and his students have, have wrestled Josh Barnett like on an Okie Boom Boom shows and things like that. In the I mean, past. that'd be an interesting tie-in. I don't basically speculative at this point, but huh. I mean. I'm just curious. Who knows when Nagata, you know, I, who knows, you know, Nagata obviously still an active member on the New Japan roster, so giving, uh, you know, the last U.S. IWGP championship title shot was against Kenta, so keeping that, those title shots, even though they're on AEW TV, they've both been with uh, New Japan wrestlers fighting Moxley, so uh, I don't know, I just, hey, to me, as a fan of Yuji Nagata, I'm just glad I got to see him on U.S. TV for the first time in 20 over years, 20 yeah. years. Oh, that was cool. That was all. Yeah, so after that match, we got a quick little card rundown. We'll go over what they were stating. Uh, we got our main event, which is Darby Allen taking on Miro for the TNT title. And, again, another reason why this main event, not even just because it's the TNT title and it's dynamite, you know, those two obviously mix very well, uh, but it's the TV time remaining. And that's like their flex spot. Think of Darby yeah. Allen, who just drove past the cemetery right next to the freeway. I mean, this thing was right off the freeway. No gates, <laughs> no fences, no nothing. Just tombstones right off the freeway. Just puzzled me. It's been very fitting to be talking about Darby Allen while driving past uh, Graves. So that TNT title match is our main event. Uh, we also get word that we will have the coronation of the Pinnacle. Uh, Thunder Rosa will also be in action. We have that tag title match with SCU taking on the champions of the Young Bucks, and if SCU does not win, they will disband. Uh, Shroud sucks, by the way. Yeah, it does. One one link construction blows. <laughs> uh, what didn't blow? Well, what did kind of blow in the end, just because of the of what had happened, was the eliminator match. Uh, Orange Cassidy and Pac, number one versus number two, winner takes on Kenny Omega. Uh, Omega will address the challenger tonight after that match. We also have the Cody Rose announcement. Uh, but before we get to the Cody announcement, we see Ortiz, Sammy Guevara, and Jake Hager in the back. Uh, you know, and they're talking about blood and guts and how the inner circle was really, they were up on the pinnacle up until the MJF Jericho, I'll toss them off the cage saga. Uh, Max, you know, showed his true colors. He's an asshole, through and through. Uh, tonight, Santana was detained because of the fork incident. So, MJF's got some good lawyers, like uh, you know, Smart Mark Sterling, which we saw mm-hmm. months ago. Uh, but Hager wants another match, calling out the Pinnacle for a rematch. Sammy stated that this is not a coronation for the Pinnacle tonight; it's a funeral. And like my only uh, like Sammy, uh, just not believable uh, on the mic. Um, didn't believe him in this promo. I, I think the angle was fine. I was fine with the segment. It, it tied some 
set some things up, tied some stuff together. Sammy I, I didn't do it for me, and um, just, just the overall that. angle just feels so backwards booking. Uh, Sammy just he doesn't have that mean spirit in him, it seems like. He's too nice of a human being yeah. to, to really get. I feel like, you know, if you ran Sammy's foot over by the car, he'd be like, he'd say sorry, and he'd be like, it's okay, it's okay. Yeah. Like, he would be like, yeah, he's a good guy. Damn foot over. It's, just, it's his intensity and the way he delivers his promos just feel, they feel forced. They don't feel natural to him. And hopefully he finds that it's, this is his first time really cutting promos. As a baby on TV. Yeah. Yeah, where he's trying to have that baby face fire. and He'll get there. I'm confident in it. But oh yeah, just right now, the words that he's using and the way he's delivering them aren't lining up with his character and who he is. And up next was the big Cody announcement. Cody comes out with his interest and we cut to commercial break and come back with, uh, I call this like <laughs> Senator Cody Rhodes or Captain America style promo. Uh, basically, Cody's talking about Anthony Agogo here and that Anthony Agogo has been dissing the USA, but lo and behold, the reason he, he's in all elite wrestling is because of the USA with, you know, he's given them, the USA has given Agogo a lot. Uh, the visa, the work visa, being able to be here in AEW, the money he's making. Um, Cody goes on to put over an old Willie Nelson song in here. Uh, Bruno San Martino, Shad Khan in here. Uh, talks about segregation and his unborn child, which that was like, uh, I don't know. What's there was time? a lot here. What's the times? What's the times? I mean... Topical. Yep, then this is where we get the double or nothing announcement. Like, buried in this promo, that double or nothing will be full capacity. Uh, but it's going to be him and a go-go at double or nothing. Uh, a go-go basically living the England, you know, there's no England dream is what Cody said. There's the American dream. And for one night, he's not going to be the American nightmare. For one night and one night only at Double or Nothing, Cody Rhodes is going to take on Anthony Agogo, the man from over the pond, and Cody Rhodes is going to be the American Dream. Right. I know. I thought I thought this was his attempt at like a hard times promo. Like he wanted to cut that iconic, everlasting, memorable Cody Rhodes promo. And while right now, I, I think it was a good overall drawn out promo. I felt like it was a little long. Um, but what he said was good. The way he delivered it was good. It all made sense from beginning to end. I, I don't have a problem with it. I've heard that a lot of people have had issues with the promo. Um, I, that's, that's, I mean, he's their own. Everyone is entitled to their own opinion. I, I, I liked it. Um, I think he was shooting for something much bigger than what he delivered. But overall, I thought it was a good, solid promo. Here's the thing. It was a good, solid promo, and it is, like like you are saying, his hard time but style type of promo, uh, but I, I think if the angle meant more, the promo would have been, and nobody would have been disagreeing with the promo. Oh, I, I agree 100%, and, um, you know, England is not exactly like the biggest... Uh, England's not Nazi Germany or communist Russia, Russia excuse me. Right, and, and in this day and age, it's hard to have that international villain... Right, when, um, when the company and the product is international in itself. Right. You're excluding any... Uh, AEW has a big fan base in, in the United Kingdom. Yep. 
they're talking about touring there or doing a pay-per-view from there. And it doesn't surprise me uh, because, you know, TNA had a huge fan base in England. And I'm sure if they could if they could have made money traveling over there, they would have. But those those shows were sold out every time they did tours over there. It's just, you know, logistics and, and money-wise, it doesn't make sense to do that. But, yeah, England isn't owned by WWE, real, realistically. So it, it doesn't really make sense to me to have England, like, this isn't 1776, this isn't the Red Coast versus the Colonists, you know? Right. So, yeah, that's it, all. If the angle meant more at this time, that promo would have hit a lot harder. I agree. Almost uh, looking for that reverse Ted Lasso type of situation here for old Cody Rhodes. But, hey, I'm for it. Should be a good match. Ogogo is the guy in that faction that need, that's going to need the so he's the guy with the most star power, so hopefully sure. it delivers, and we'll find out what happens next week. Very good promo overall. Oh, yeah. And from one EVP to two more, we get a little pre-tape package uh, of the Young Bucks and SCU history. Very short pre-tape. Yeah. Very short. Very short, but to the point, and we get our AEW Tag Team title match, SCU, Christopher Daniels, and Frankie Kazarian taking on the Young Bucks got Brandon Cutler, the Good Brothers, both Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson, and Don Callows out there, Callows on commentary. I, I do want to pose a quick question before we really get into it here. Yes. Did the Young Bucks just, for the first time in their life, discover the, uh, who the Macho Man Randy Savage is? Uh, no, I've seen Matt Doozy hand wave many a time. It was excessive out there. <laughs> it was uh, very excessive. Um but, yeah, they're like the love child of Shawn Michaels and Randy Savage. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> Go ahead. Continue on. Uh, this match, man, if SCU was going to go out on a tag match, this was one I thought hell of a match to go out on. I like this match. SCU looked really solid in the beginning. Great tag team work. We saw a celebrity rehab, and by God, did JR and Tony Schiavone pop for that move and name combination. Uh you know what's sad though? Because I remember them calling the celebrity rehab, and I remember them going, you know, fawning over it. I don't remember what the hell the celebrity rehab is. It was uh, like a Death Valley driver up and over into uh, the double knees. Okay. On Daniels. I got you. Uh, but yeah, good match. You know, in the beginning we we had we did have that a barrel did not break. do a very good job. What's, oh no no. no. <laughs> Uh, Match spills out to the outside And Nick Jackson super kicked Christopher Daniels head Into the ring post uh, And Oh he's gushing Daniels was a faucet He dug deep Uh, The only thing I didn't like about this And we actually discussed this on our car ride down here Was the camera angle for the super kick Didn't make it look the greatest But we did get the, the cause and effect From there so I'm all right with it, but a better camera angle would have looked better. Yeah, better camera angle, or, like, this is actually where the WWE mid-move jump cut actually would have worked. worked fine, because, uh, it, it, yeah, like that's, that's why they do it, is to cover potential hiccups like this. And the other issue is Daniel's slicing his forehead wide open and leaving the, the oh, blade, blade. Oh, yeah. inches from his head while he laid on the floor. Yep. It was a, a blade wrapped in black tape. It just had 
black mat, but a big silver blade sticking out. <laughs> but so Frankie uh, Frankie Kazarian in the ring having to go it alone for FDU. We had a big spot here where Frankie rolled up Matt Jackson for more than a three count, but referee Rick Knox was distracted by Lou Gallows. He stinks. <laughs> Uh, this led to Frankie Kazarian pulling out a move from the past. He, I haven't seen him in forever, but he hits a Styles Clash on Matt Jackson. Uh, for two count, Nick Frank broke it up. Got uh, Daniels coming in, bloody as can be. He wound up hitting his hand. The angel swings on Nick. Uh, Matt wound up spearing Christopher Daniels after that. And Matt just went to town. Raining down fists, opening it up, that cut more. Here was my only issue with that spot. So Daniels came in, broke up a pin, hit the, uh, the gimmick, wings. the Angels' wings. Then popped up and sold around. So he got out. He got out for the hot tag. They made the hot tag. Oh, yeah, he, br- he brought Frankie over to the corner. He drug him over to the corner, got the hot tag, and then when he came in, he stumbled around woozy. And, I was, it just felt, and then he got speared, cutting his hot tag off and punches the head for the second heat. Just thought that was an odd... Odd time to to do the the blood 360 loss sell because you just because the, the unintentional one <laughs> later on looked better than that. Yes, yeah, it was just very very oddly put together. Again, that doesn't kill the match. I don't hate it. I just it just didn't flow naturally at all with what the guy was just he was kicking the wholesale ass. Gets a hot tag. He's like, oh, you know what? I just blew my load. I'm done. Yeah. Well, after that. We got the Nick, or I'm uh, sorry, the Matt Jackson, the I'm sorry, I love you, Ric Flair, Shawn yeah, Michaels, Super Kid. Yeah, it is about that. Uh, that was another two count because uh, old Christopher Daniels, old CD, kicked out. Daniels took over here and was going for the best moonsault ever and hit the second rope, tried to pop up, uh, tried to pop up to the top and miss the top and miss Ooh, it was scary for a second. Thankfully, he landed on his feet. Yeah. Stumbled a little bit, but went right back to the move. Nailed it. Two count. Would have, would have. I love the announcers' cover here. They did a great job of covering it with the blood loss. Yep. Would have liked to have seen Daniels not just go right back to it and hit it. The young buck gets a knee up, moves, or yeah. Daniels does something else. Yeah, drop an elbow on him. Yeah. Him down. That's all. But eh, see, again, nitpicking a nitpick. Yep. Two count again there, but uh, old Nick breaks it up. Christopher Daniels wound up taking out uh, Nick Jackson and Carl An- uh, Carl Anderson. Yeah, I got Carl. Yep. yep, Carl Anderson on the outside. Yeah, Carl. While, while that's happening, Rick Knox is over there, and Matt Jackson down in the middle of the ring, and uh, Luke Gallows rolled uh, a can of cold spray into Matt. Brother he, out, Luke Gallows. Yeah, oh, good brother Summer. <laughs> <laughs> but. CD goes over to Matt Jackson. Matt sprays CD in the eyes with the cold spray. Hits him with a can. Chucked it at his skull. Uh, that got a near fall. That was a hot near fall, too. Great false finish. Yeah. Great false finish. Um, Frankie's, and this whole time, Frankie's selling on the, the stage, too. So he's away from the action. And Nick comes in, and we get the BTE trigger. Cover one and you know, at one, Kaz is realizing what's going on, makes a beeline for the ring, but gets blocked off. And we get a three count, and the Young Bucks steal one on SU. Not not just steal one, but really 
dirty way of putting SDU out and just showing how uh, committed to their heelism the Young Bucks are now. Yeah, I thought this was a really good finish. They gave you the strong false finish with the cold spray. Then the BTE trigger was letting you see that Kazarian could come in to break it up, make you think he's going to break it up for a second fall finish. I thought that was a really good finish. I I, I have to hand it to the guys here. That was that was well done. And uh, what comes after this? This this be all. <laughs> you know, this is a big moment for SCU because this is just, you know right now it's their last moment together. It's, it's their last match. It's the whole story of this match. Yeah. The whole thing has been built around this. SCU disbands if they don't win the title, basically. And this is what happens. And Kaz and CD are getting ready to have this emotional moment. And, oh, there's stuff happening in the back. There's stuff happening in the back. And they it just took too long, one, to get to the back. And when we get to the back, it's Moxley and Kingston walking through the back, not doing anything yet. Right. But winding up at the Elite locker room and destroying it. Yeah, like, with the way the announcers sold it, those guys needed to be in the locker room mid-destruction. Yeah. Like, there should have already been stuff messed up and them continuing to mess things up. But you just don't cut here. You can do this in about two and a half minutes. We're going to get to it in a second. I'll let you take it. But, uh, yeah, like, SCU, this wasn't even drawn out at all. It was like, one, two, three, ding, 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 cue the music, cue Tony Schiavone saying, well, there's something going on in the back, and JR follows up with it. They, it wasn't even 10 seconds post-bell when they cut to the back. No, no, I feel like they started talking about what was happening in the back, and then it was kind of drawn out like an extra 10 seconds, 10, 15 yeah. seconds. It felt like forever. Like, if you're, the way they were talking, there was an urgency that something was happening back and there. No, urgency was happening. The guys walked in the, the, hallway. the hallway before the destruction was to happen. Yeah, didn't like that at all, especially with the moment we just witnessed. Right, so we're setting up here for Moxley, Kingston, and and the Elite, which is going to be the box. They've been building this for months, so it makes sense. We go to commercial break after the hack. Yeah. And when we come back, we get moments to go in the ring, a quick highlight of SCU hugging it out. Which just would have been the perfect spot to let that flip-flop be. Exactly. Moments ago, this happened in the back. Yeah, and then that would have been fine for the Elite to come back check their locker, which they do later on, but... Yep, they do later on, but they, they go to another promo where this would have been the perfect time. They could have flipped these, those that promo. They could have yep. flipped the Bucks promo with the promo they did here, which is, which is Christian Cage with Dasha Fuentes in the back, and we go over Christian and his issues with Team Taz. Uh, Christian states he's got an open contract out, and come double or nothing, he's putting his name in the hat. He will be in the you know, Battle Royale, where you win, you get a title shot. Uh, it's also it's, it's interrupted by Matt Seidel, who also is in the Casino Battle Royale. You know, Matt Seidel, this is his one-year anniversary in the company, is double nothing. Some jokes were made at his expense by Christian because of his debut and slipping when he was going for that shooting star press. Um, but nice to see Matt Seidel. Matt Seidel here, one year in the company, back in the same match. Uh, he wasn't last year as that wild card. And other than that, that open contract Christian was talking about, well, that was signed by Matt Seidel. And next week on Dynamite, we'll get Christian Cage versus Matt Seidel. Yeah, so I thought the promo, the Christian cut, as always, is good. Um, I had no problem with the segment. It should be a fine match. Just, man, Matt Seidel, like, Matt Seidel looked really tiny next to Christian. That he did. And, like, 
he never really showed his full face on camera either. Yeah, he had a side profile view just talking to Christian most of the time, which is kind of weird. It's been an interesting matchup, and, and Matt Seidel, never a guy... Entertaining. Yeah, he's not a great promo. Oh, no, no. no. Like, his strength is in ring. And, and it didn't come across all that... Like, what, again, kind of going up to see comments about Sammy Garvara about 10 minutes to 15 minutes ago. Just words he's saying with the emotion and the inflection, it just all doesn't line up. All doesn't line up. Oh, his brother, you think his brother's a better talker? Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, the way Seidel... I haven't heard him talk. I, I really haven't heard him talk. Well, when you watch the two work, Matt is a better worker. Light years ahead of him. So, hopefully, Mike can talk. if Mike can't talk better than Matt, then what's he doing? Brother, tag team, brother. <laughs> we need more brothers, brother. Well, up next was the AEW World Title Eliminator match. Number one, Orange Cassidy taking on number two, Pac. And Orange Cassidy coming out with best friends and Chris Statlander. They go to the back. Pac coming out with the other two members of that triangle, Ray Phoenix and Penta. They go to the back, so it's going to be a one-on-one competition. Man, these guys, these two tore it up at Revolution last year, and this match picked up where that left off. I liked this match up until what happened. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that. Our opening stuff is the Orange Cassidy glass stuff. It didn't last as long as, like, say, the whole Penta deal yeah. went a couple weeks ago. Uh, a, a cool little spot there where Orange Cassidy puts the glasses on Pac and Pac tries to drill Orange Cassidy, boom, Cassidy picks him up, big beach break, really, really astonishing false finish right out of the game. I, I put in my notes, if if Orange Cassidy wins this match, that should have been the finish right there. It would have been, it would have been more impactful for, for writing, but obviously we don't know what's going to happen, but if Orange Cassidy's winning this match, my thoughts were, well, that was the time to have Orange Cassidy win. Yeah, there was a lot of uh, rolling on the outside of the ring during this match. We also did get a pitcher-and-pitcher break here. Uh, later on, some offense by Cassidy and Pack for some uh, reversals and whatnot, some striking. But it led to Pack getting Orange Cassidy in position for a Liger bomb. After that, too, that super kick. Yeah. Super kick was, was hellacious. was a huge super kick uh, coming off of the near ropes with the camera angle. Looked great. Sounded great. Might have been what did him in. Maybe, but just the way he lands when, when we see this, uh, Pac has him up for a Liger bomb, and holy hell, it seemed like Pac was trying to drive him through the canvas, and Orange Cassidy lands high on the neck, and this is where the match know something's wrong here. Um, there's a cover, there's a two count, and there is a very uh, weak, like Stone Cold, SummerSlam 97. Full body tense kick out, yeah. tightened up, nerves and shit. This is a, he landed, moment, he landed right where you deep pull the Fort Lauderdale War Memorial Coliseum when talking about Hardcore Heaven 97 while looking to meet Big Glenn standing in line Two, two booze deep and an edible. Uh, that's about where Orange Cassidy landed on his dome. That's a shoot, brother. That's like the cerebral cortex all the way in the back. Uh, <laughs> Dupla 
mom got us. <laughs> but yeah, and this changed. So word on the street is this was to be a double, uh, a draw, a time limit draw. So knowing that that might be some solid information as to where they were going, this new finish makes sense. Morse Cassie had to roll out to the outside, took his time. They had to, they had to uh, try to eat some time here too. But more importantly, make sure he was okay. Yeah, definitely. Upon impact, and when he kicked out, I, I know I said to my wife, "It's Orange Cassidy." My quote exactly: "Mere muffs kids." Orange Cassidy's fucked up, yeah. and this was before. And then just the way Aubrey was checking on him. Aubrey did a good job here. Pac, you know, trying to be intense. She, you know, clearly is messed up. You can tell there's a lot of confusion. She's trying to radio the back. There's it just, and, and I think Pac grabbed a headlock at one point. I'm like, well, at least yep. he's grabbing a headlock. We've got to calm things down. But Pac is just, you know, still working, man. And then I'm going to throw him out of the ring. The commercial break. And during the commercial break is when I'm sure they were like, everybody uh, uh, figure this shit out. Let's, let's, yeah, let's, and, and this is what we figured out. Not not bad for being on the fly. I can, we'll nitpick it a little bit and we can go with what we kind of talked about earlier uh, on our car ride about how we thought the finish could have finished. Is this another one? That's another roadside cemetery. That's scary. Just right up to, I mean, you got to reach out your window. You can touch tombstone. No gates. <laughs> well, coming out of this picture, picture break, Don Callis comes out of the heel tunnel. Heel tunnel, Don. Heel tunnel. And, uh, Starts berating Pack and the sword. So Aubrey's quote unquote distracted by Don Callis telling him to get 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 the hell out of here. He's interrupting this match. And out through the crowd sneaks Kenny Omega with the title. Blast Pack. Pack's down. Orange Cassidy's down in the ring now. And Kenny slides out and stays ringside as Aubrey turns around. With Kenny in clear sight outside, and now Pack, who was just standing straight up, is now laid out. What the hell happened? It's like I get it was on the fly, and I get the original way they were going with this was a 20-minute draw. Um, but the way this happens, they they do a 10 count. You know, both men down. Nobody wins. I just thought. Hey, why don't we get a no contest here? It's just, it's the same result. It's getting to the same result is a different path, but a more sensible path. Yeah. Aubrey sees Kenny out there, kind of puts two and two together. It's, I know people could argue if the referee referee can't call what he, they don't see, but just uh, Kenny's yeah. right in her face, right on the outside of the ring, basically. Yeah, yeah. Kenny did Kenny did not protect Aubrey here at all, and, and like you said, I mean, if 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 Jacksonville, a city, has this type of audibles being called come this fall, Bill Trevor Lawrence calling these kind of audibles, that's that's a good thing. But it's, it's not like completing the pass. It's like getting a pass interference down the field, still first down. Or, not not that yeah, big home run. Defensive holding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got they got the first down here. They accomplished what they needed to, but they didn't get the big play. Right. Um, so we'll Which take it as a success. But Kenny Omega needs to do better. He's your world champion. He should have that awareness of ducking down, hiding under the ring. Or you had a great point earlier. Well, yeah, Hop the rail on the on, on the, the heel, heel side. side and run up, 
run up through the, the, the steps and you're on the ramp with Don. Yep. But another, I don't know, I might be jumping the gun here, but I'm going to get it out while I'm talking and driving. Um, when Gallows comes out here, when he was with Kenny, a quote I was told was, he looks like his leather daddy from Sturgis. <laughs> well, we quote, get, unquote. We get Don Callis and Kenny back on the mic. You know, there's no winner here, so nobody's going to wrestle Kenny Omega at Devil or nothing. We got the night off, kid, you know. And then Tony Schiavone comes out with his earpiece in, and hold on, hold on. As per Tony Khan in the back, you will be working on Double or Nothing, Kenny Omega. It's going to be Kenny Omega in a three-way match with Orange Cassidy and Pac. So, yes, I can see where that 20-minute time limit was going. We still get there with the circumstances that were dealt to us. We're here. We're live, pal. Yep, exactly. We are L-I-V-E live. Speaking of live, we go back live to the Elite Locker Room. And it's trashed. Uh, and they're hot about it. You know, this week, the Bucks have broken up SCU, and next week they're going to take on the Varsity Blondes. Little digs here at uh, Pillman Jr. by Matt. You know, his most recent appearance on Dark Side of the Ring on Vice and showed me about his dad. Some, uh, some intense comments there by Matt, just being more of a heel, being more of a dick. I mean, yeah, the varsity blondes, though, showing flaws within AEW's ranking system. How the hell are these guys? Yeah, if I remember correctly, they ate the pin in that four-way match. Yeah, with Jungle Express and uh, Jurassic Express. I do that a lot, too. <laughs> yeah, Jurassic Express and the team who doesn't know how to tag. Acclaimed. Acclaimed. Well, and not only are we getting them, uh, the Young Bucks, being them against uh, Varsity Blondes next week on Dynamite. They lay down the challenge to Moxley and Kingston. Take on the Young Bucks at Double or Nothing. So, yet another match. A lot of stuff happening here on this episode of Dynamite. Looking for Double or Nothing. Yeah, definitely, definitely realizing blood and guts behind them, and they've got three, tel- three, four, well, four television shows before uh, Double or Nothing, I believe. Maybe three. It's hard to keep count these days, but. Um, yeah, 12th to 19th to the 26th. Yeah, you're home. So three. Three television shows. Got to build this card up. I, I don't know. I, I I get it. They've been building towards Moxley and Kingston taking on the Bucks. Since the since the exploding death match, the last pay-per-view, that next week on Dynamite, they've, they've been built this match. But everything in between has been so... Moxley and Kingston have, like... Okay. JoJo. I mean, it has just been... Like, they, they went up on Kenny and Nakazawa because Kenny laughed. It's like it's like stupid, silly, funny, haha. The Vanya City Blondes are are number ones, and they they haven't won on television yet. Yeah, they went on the YouTube's, but who they beat? Like, right. it's just just a, get rid of the ranking system. Get rid of it because it doesn't work. Moxley Kingston get the title shot. Sure, it's fine. There's there's at least a story behind it, even though the story in the middle with SCU was a far better, more impactful story. Just just a yo-yo of we're serious one week we're googling the next. Yeah. It's it's hard to hard to really for me to get invested in this match. Young Bucks are good. Moss and Kingston are good. I just don't it feels care. Feels more of a match than an angle. 
yeah, and they've tried to make it an angle because they've been they were they were teaming up with Mox. What was it? Two months ago, less than two yeah. months ago. That's six man tag against yeah, and, the, and it was just just over theatrics. It's just, but hey, I'm sure the match will be good. I'm sure it'll be fine. There's no doubt about that. There's a good strong probability that it'll be uh, Eddie Kingston's finest work on the hot tag. Or I shouldn't say, I think uh, the hot tag to Moxley, I think it's going to be hot. It should it should be good. Full tag house. Oh, it's going to be a good match. Just not enough emotion behind it to make me really yeah. emotionally involved. Uh, but after this Elite promo, which was, I mean, really, this was just a Matt Jackson promo. Yeah. Uh, that took us to commercial. I think that might have been where Gallows was the leather daddy. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's where that leather daddy comment came in. But pop me big. Came back from commercial uh, to a pre-tape of Hangman and the Dark Order with Alex Marvez. Uh, Hangman, you know, he went from number one to number five. He said the loss was, it was bound to happen. You can't win them all. See comments two minutes ago about the ranking systems being flawed. Right, yeah, exactly. One team eats all, moves up to one. Guy loses first match out of 13 in a row, moves from one to five. Yeah. Well, Hangman Page basically states that Brian Cage really, yeah, he got the win, but it wasn't so much because of Brian Cage. It was because of Taz. Uh, Taz beat him by calling the shots. And Cage shouldn't be satisfied with that win. Uh, he wants Brian Cage to earn that spot, that number one spot that he just had. And we're going to see these two guys hook it back up. He issues a challenge and it becomes official. It's going to be Brian Cage taking on Hangman Page at double or nothing. Uh, I think this is one of those sneaky matches that could steal the show. Just, I, these guys had a great match, even with the, the jump start and Cage, you know, going up uh, early on with, with cheating. Uh, I think these two are going to turn it up even more. Come don't worry, nothing. Should be a good one. I hope. I hope there is a producer that that keeps both that, that keeps them all wrangled in. If, they're, if both these guys are left to their own devices to put together their match, they're going to put together some ridiculous spots that are going to be impressive that they pull off. They're going to look good, but they're going to make no sense. They're probably not going to get sold. But if there's someone there that can slow them down and tighten it up, this has a chance to be one of the best matches, uh, not only on Double or Nothing, but that AEW has put out this year. Yeah, I'm trying to think of uh, AEW coaches in the back. And, and off the top of my head, you've got Jerry Lynn, you've got Dean Malenko, You've got, um, oh, you got BJ Whitmer. BJ Whitmer. You know, I, I have a feeling, uh, Arn Anderson as well. I have a feeling. If Arn gets this match, then I think it'll be the best guy for them. Yeah. I also, I can also see BJ Whitmer not doing too bad of a job. I think he wrangles them in. This is the same guy who did a powerbomb from the top rope to an apron to the outside of the ring and broke his ankle. Yeah, well, he fell. <laughs> so it wasn't like the powerbomb was. Meant to go to the outside of the ring. I know. Shit happened. I was, hey, I was there that night at the, uh, I was the there as well. State Fairgrounds. Were you ringing the bell? I, I was. I was ringing the bell, motherfucker. <laughs> I was. I, I did do uh, the bell for that show. And I was right there. It was right across the ring from me. Scary moment, man. Those him and Jimmy Jacobs off that, that top rope. Oh man, it was it was nasty. But getting back. Getting back, we were off track. That's uh, okay. Good story. I was there too. I was on the bleachers. I yeah. wasn't. I wasn't ringing the bell. No. <laughs> hey, 
Hey, I was a part of a five-star match, just FYI. Hey, that was that's in important. Chicago. There is a problem uh, in front of us. Blood Generation versus, uh, what was the other faction? Was Dragon, the Dragon Kid. Dragon Gate. Dragon Kid. Naruki Doi. Yeah. And Shingo, I think, was a part of that. Yeah, yeah. I rang the, the bell, so. Bring the bell for five-star match. Keeper, baby. This is a big guy here, folks, ladies give and gentlemen. Me those, give me those snowflakes, Meltzer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to a man who's in part of a five-star match. Breaking out all these dishes. So, next we move on to the Pinnacle Coronation. And, man, this whole segment, I know they had to kill time because of uh, the injury with Orange Cassidy. Yeah. But this this dragged on. This was... Ray video package for Darby Allen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that's, that's, that's later, though. Right? Did I, yeah, the, did I jump Darby, the gun? Yeah, oh, yeah. The Darby pre-tape was right before his I thought we were match. My, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're good. You're Jumping good. The gun. No, the Pinnacle Coronation. Pinnacle comes out with Sully Blanchard, some women with him. Uh, MJF states that he's the new demo god. He's the GOAT, the greatest of all time, and there will be no rematch. Uh, Sully basically runs down blood and guts. Got the Pinnacle, some gifts, some new Rolexes. I like that Wardlow is just flirting with the chick. But yeah, Wardlow took his jacket off, flirting with the women, everybody else. Would have liked to have seen the others talk. But Wardlow looked like he didn't give a didn't give a hoot about what Max was saying. He was really caring about getting some dump out and scoring. <laughs> well, this is another promo in AEW that's interrupted by a car horn. Oh we, yeah, we hear a car horn. <laughs> oh, the horn, car horn. And we cut to the side of. The Stage, the ramp there that leads down and Before, the circle with the bubbly wagon. As it's happening, I do want to say MJF, not as strong as promo. I think he was trying to drag out and just, yeah. Not as strong as promo, but Tully? I thought Tully hit a home run. He was impassioned. I think it went a little too long, but. Yeah, he thought he hit a home run. I mean, he stepped up to the plate, solved a couple off, but then delivered. So that, that horn is being blown by Ortiz as well as. Hager and Sammy Guevara, and they are in an ATV with a bubbly wagon. Yep. Sammy's on top of this ATV with a, a yep. squirt gun. Ironically, right before these guys came out, again, the same person who talked about, called the man a leather daddy on this show, uh, made reference to that the pinnacle looks like they should be uh, in a yacht club and on a yacht at the moment with the way they were dressed. Steely D. They were those the Steely D. Yeah, yeah. They were yacht rockets. <laughs> they were their yacht rocks, the galleon. Uh, but this bubbly wagon, yeah, this is this sets up for Stone Cold and the beer truck. This sets up for Kurt Angle and the Milton truck. This one, yeah. best done twenty some years ago. Uh, but it's more of back and forth. MJF no rematch. And if you look through the back of the ATV, you can see one man's face. Yes. And that face will talk soon. And it's Chris Jericho. And he is in a big elbow brace, elbow just wrapped up. J.J. Watt style. Right. Uh, One week after being pushed off the top of the blood and gut cage, Jericho's back? back. I don't agree with that. Not at all. Especially after you alluded to him earlier. The way he was alluded to earlier with being uh, gone, hey, He's not here this week. Okay, cool. Don't show him on TV. Right. It, it, 
didn't have to have it. Like, this match didn't have to be sped up let this week, the, I don't think. Let the freaking pinnacle get heat, guys. They yeah. won the match. Let them have this full coronation. End it with them with heat. Why do you need to do silly ha shit? The question that should be on the board in the back on AEW, I imagine they have some kind of dry race or something, should you say, if this happens, if, ask yourself this question. Will this, what I'm about to do, happen on a Monday? If what I'm about to do will happen on a Monday, should I do it? Because this looks like something that would have taken place on a Monday night, and it shouldn't be done here. It was Sammy and Jericho, you know, starting the hose, and Sammy spraying down the pinnacle with uh, a little bit of the bubbly, which pisses Max off enough to finally agree to a rematch. So MJF does agree to a rematch in the inner circle at Double or Nothing, and it's going to be the same match the other circle was in last year at Double or Nothing. It's another edition of the Stadium Stampede. Uh, MJF saying this year there's not going to be any funny ha-ha gaga bullshit. This is a totally different Stadium Stampede. Uh, and better yet, MJF states, you know, the only reason I'm going to take this rematch is for this clause. If the inner circle loses, they disband. That, that stiff that stipulation find pretty much any other time than the damn show that a group in SCU just lost the match and had to deal with that stipulation. Same stiff, same show, shouldn't be happening. Yeah, 100% agree to have that same thing. I was in that mood. My, my, yeah, stupid stipulation on the same night as SCU. My other question I asked is, can we have a fucking production meeting? My God, guys. Jericho's head popping up in the back, the, the booze truck. It's just shit was bad. It's just bad, bad, bad. I, 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 and I, I want this to be so good, and it's just so disappointing. I mean, you, it's like you get to see such a great thing in blood and guts, and then the next week we're so down on this Attitude Era type of promo. Memorable. They're not finding their flow, really. No, I mean, and again... Kind of like the Cody thing with the go-go and the video package, or like the the, the, the flag drape. This is something that's going to look good in the video package. It's going to look good in the video package. Those visuals that Jericho, Cody, those guys that come from WWE, they're, they're putting in their booking things that are going to look great in the video package, but the substance to the live audience through the television does not translate as well as it, they think it's going to. And we head into a commercial break and come back out of that break with a pre-tape set down with Jim Ross and the number one contender to the women's title here in AEW. That would be Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. Get a little history lesson of Britt and Sheeta going back to the beginning of the pandemic. Britt's nose being busted open and whatnot. Britt tells Sheeta basically, hey, you know me now. I am pretty fucking hard to kill. Uh, They they show some, some footage from a Forbes magazine shoot where uh, a lot of AEW stars are with Tony Khan getting their pictures taken, and Britt starts to shit with Sheeta because, you know, this magazine's going to be out, you know, a month or two from now, and Double or Nothing's going to happen in three weeks. She wanted pictures taken with the title. I like that. That was a good little piece, a nugget of information in there as to why why they started a fight. Uh, yeah, I thought this was great. Uh that photo shoot with Forbes, I mean, I wanted to see that. Like, like that itself could have been a week of 
build for this program. That was an excellent idea and angle, and I feel like it was kind of wasted. But I love that they still incorporated somehow it in, into into this story. Just would have liked to see more of that or more things like that in the future. Well, and, and Britt really put over Sheeta here in this promo with carrying the women's division, you know, staying on life support. She kept it going during this pandemic. Um, but Britt Baker herself, she's the pulse of this division. And as the pulse goes, so does this division. And we'll, uh, but I guarantee to win, too. Yeah, she's the pulse but because we don't see Sheeta every week. Yeah. Like, we give these 30-second promos with Britt Baker. We get these matches with Britt Baker. But Sheeta... I mean, I know she's not a strong promo, but you could be doing video packages. You could be hype. You could be hype training. She did all they needed to show this week. Boom! What happened with the Forbes photo shoot? Blah blah blah. And then maybe a, a video package saying here she does run as champion. Next week you do this beautiful sit down with Britt Baker. I loved it, but I just feel like it's been all one sided here. And I mean, it's almost going to be yeah. Next week they'll tie tie Sheeta in somehow, but it's going to be too little, too late. Speaking of the women's division, we get a quick squash match here. Yeah. Thunder Rosa out to take on Jansen Allure, and all I've got down here is squash. It was it was what it was. It was here to get Thunder Rosa back on TV. And this is another person in AEW that's, like, hot and cold on. Mm-hmm. They, they, they run with her, and then she's off TV for a couple weeks. Yep, she, they build up that whole feud with Britt Baker, the blood and guts match, and, and Thunder Rosa goes over as she should have in the end, and yeah, it doesn't count against the Brit's record or anything like that, according to the stupid ranking system. But the last time you see Thunder Rosa, she's winning a historical, memorable match, and then you just you just don't see her. And here she comes out here, and she gets a, a half-ass win over a half-ass talent. Nothing against the girls involved. Not saying they're half-ass, but just the perception being right. not uh, top-tier uh, opponent. Yes, it's, it's uh, a quick match. It wasn't as strong. Usually squashes are better reserved for people with that have some size and their stuff could just look really good and strong. I don't hate a smaller wrestler getting a, an enhancement match, but gotta be put together a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it needs to be. It needs to enhance them more, and this didn't really enhance Thunder Rosa much. Uh, real quick, I did skip over a note from the Pinnacle Inner Circle. Uh, I did read that Jericho is supposed to be out four to six weeks with that el- his elbow injury. Okay. Uh, so that. You know, well, double or nothing, that's four weeks away. What's that going to do to the stadium stampede? Uh, that's just yeah, really interesting with that stadium stampede match, too, because they're packing the house for double or nothing. Are you going to have everybody file their 5,000 asses over to the stadium? I doubt no, it. No, 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 they'll do it just like They'll pre-tape it. Yep. And those people are going to watch it on TV just like they did with Blood and Guts. Well, and they did it last year, too. Yeah, but the only difference with that was there was a far less people. Correct. But AEW has such a rabid fan base that the fans that are going to be there at full capacity for double or nothing are going to, I feel like they'll, they will eat this matchup even though it's going to be on the big screen. Okay. I've got confidence in, in, in this view, at least for these big matches, like we saw at Blood and Guts, to, uh, to get this over. This match, at least the match itself over. Uh, so speaking of the uh, women's division and that Thunder Rose squash we just got uh, finished up with. We get a little rundown for next week and another uh, title, couple title matches on the show. Uh, we get the return of the NWA women's title with champion Serena Deeb taking on the 
I think she's the number five contender in the AEW ranking, which means absolutely nothing. Uh, <laughs> Red Velvet. Yes. Yeah. That'll be a good match. Uh, if you listen to Red Velvet's uh, episode on AEW Unrestricted Podcast, she talked about working with Serena Deeb and how much she enjoys it. So should be a, a good match between those two. Serena Deeb such a, a leader in that ring. Definitely. Uh, another title match is the tag team titles here in AEW, the Young Bucks. We'll take on the Varsity Blondes, Brian Pillman Jr. and Griff Garrison. Uh, the aforementioned Christian Cage and that open contract was signed by Matt Seidel. We'll see that match next week. Uh, Anthony Agogo, England's favorite son, mm-hmm. will take on one member of the gun club, Austin Gunn. Uh, and then they talk about double or nothing. We talk about Brian Cage taking on Hangman Page. So we get a, a little rhyme in that match. Yeah. Uh, Cody and Anthony Agogo, okay. uh, the AEW women's title, Sheeta and Britt Baker. Uh, and then the AEW world title, that three-way match, Pac, Orange Cassidy, and Kenny Omega. And it was uh, surprising to me that they didn't even throw in uh, or mention the stadium stampede here when they ran that card down. Yeah. Well, we'll see what uh, yeah, it's shaping up, that's for sure. Well, out of the rundown there, we got a quick Jade Cargo pre-tape. Yeah, it was false advertisement. Yeah, didn't they say that she was going to be... Live in person. Yeah, I thought so. But uh, we get a little recap from Dark Elevation on Monday night where yet another quote-unquote manager, this time legal representation, uh, Mark Sterling, Esquire, MJF attorney, came out after a Jay Cargill match and tried to schmooze her a little bit and give him his business or give her his business card. Uh, and basically, this is another interview where Jade ends it by stating that she is that bitch. Yep. Great, great tagline. Uh, <laughs> that takes us to commercial break. And coming out of commercial break, we know it's main event time. It's going to be Miro versus Darby Allen. But before that, we get a quick Darby vignette. Uh, they show him getting tossed down the stairs from last week. Uh, he went back to his roots. He went back to Seattle. Talks a lot about knowing who he is, but not, you know, Miro, do you know who you are? Call him uh, Miro, a generic son of a bitch. Uh, And it's go time. It is main event time. It is TNT title time. 20 minutes or TV time remaining. Miro, out first. Man, he had some awesome gear. He had his uh, red fighting shorts on with the TNT title embroidered on the front. Man, if they don't make a Miro figure with this gear, I will be pissed. Uh, yeah, the Darby video package was awesome. Uh, it was longer than, very, it was like three times longer than the FCU one, um, but deservedly so, right, very good. Uh, but Miro, man, like you said, I was like, Miro looks like a star. Yep, this is the Miro we've been waiting to see. Sting uh, also out with Darby, but Miro jumps the belt, and Miro assaults Darby in the ring, out of the ring, yelling at the referee to ring the bell. The referee won't start the match because Darby's not ready, they're not in the ring, so on and so forth. Uh, Actually applying the rules, some sort of logic. But here's where I'm confused by the logic. This match has not started. There's an all-out assault by Miro on Darby Allen. Why is this thing in there helping out? Yeah, 
I have that same issue now. I was like, why is why is this was pre-match? Why is Sting just standing there? Yeah, why is Sting letting Darby Allen get his ass whooped instead of everyone else is stopping it? Everyone else is scared of the 60-year-old with the bat, so why shouldn't Miro? Speaking of guys uh, that are going to be mixing it up with Sting, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky are shown in the crowd. Uh, at this point, Darby. Can okay, we're back. And uh, yeah, we, for some reason. We ran out of time on the first uh, go-around to record, but we're back with the TNT title match, Miro and Darby. We just ranted about uh, Miro jumping Darby before the bell and beating his ass and Sting just standing there and not doing a damn thing. Pretty much, yep. Exactly what was happening. And then uh, bell rung, and then Darby got his bell rung. He big, sure did. Big pump kick by Miro for uh, for a near fall. And like, but here, here we are. Second time we've seen a quick, uh, a big impactful move, like literally 20 seconds after the bell rings for a near fall, just like we did with Orange Cast and the Impact. So, yep. Can we have a production meeting, please? Yeah. Uh, Darby, Darby does get back in this match. Uh, hits a drop kick to the out, sends Miro on the outside. Uh, we got a slit slam. Darby falls back post Miro. Gets a big tope suicida uh, and goes for a coffin drop from the top to the outside, which Miro catches Darby with a waist lock and German suplex him as we go into pitcher and pitcher break. And here we go into pitcher and pitcher break, and something important of importance happens, and it's Sting being attacked by Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page in that pitcher and pitcher break. <laughs> yeah. Uh, definitely a miss here. You gotta communicate these things better, but I, you know, I, I like that they they they've uh, hyenaed up on uh, Sting there. Two guys not afraid. Of, another guy not afraid of the six-year-old with a baseball bat. That's right. Uh, we, when we come back, Darby's working. Uh, oh, Miro is working a, a waist lock, and Darby turned into to a sleeper. Miro got to the ropes. What do you got here? Oh, they're on the outside. Miro tried to use the belt. And Paul Turner, I think, was the referee. Rips it away. Darby's on Miro's back. And Miro just takes off, sprinting towards the stage, the wall of the stage, and just turns, crashing into the stage, Darby first. And, man, the impact that that had, uh, it looks phenomenal. And with the weight behind it that Miro has, Darby was flat like a bug. Yeah, no, it was definitely a, it's the first time we've really seen a spot like that where they run him into that that area. So I was I was I was all for it. I thought it was good and um, definitely was impactful. But Darby, like we said every week, the guy gets his ass kicked and he keeps coming back. And this was one of those matches where you go, I don't see how this dude's coming back. But he does. I mean, even so, I mean, Miro ragdolls him at this point. Uh, we're on inside the ring, and Darby's laid up against the bottom rope, and Sting's about three feet away from him. And we get this moment where Darby looks over at Sting. Sting looks at Darby. We get a little fist bump, and Darby starts a flurry of offense. Uh, and he hits that inside cradle for a ball seed for two that was, like, one of those moments where, okay, this match could have been over at that point. It was good, good ballsy. We get that flip into a stunner by Darby. 
and he goes for the coffin drop again. And Miro catches him, way slack again. Uh, went for a, a German. Darby landed on his feet. Miro charged in, took a corner. Darby hits a roll up, another good roll up for two. Another nice false there. Uh, led to Darby hitting a code red, a great code red. Perfectly executed for another near fall. Darby goes into the armbar, and this is where time is running out on TNT. And I know they went over to the 10 o'clock mark here because I, I was looking at this. Yeah, I was like, how is this match going over on time? Yeah. TV time remaining got extended a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, Darby went for that armbar, and Miro just reversed right out of it and went for the game over and stretched Darby out. Darby doesn't tap here. But Paul Turner is in his face, and I, I'm going to say calls the, he calls the match. I'm going to say for Darby not responding to his attempts to make sure he was okay. It's not a spot where Darby taps or says, I quit. Paul Turner, the, 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 or, I'm sorry, the announcers there are saying, you know, Paul Turner calls for the bell. It doesn't say Darby gave up. So Miro is now your new TNT champion. Miro looks like the killer we've all been waiting for. I'm excited to see, one, where Miro goes from here, and two, how Darby rebounds. Yeah, I mean, it seems like the natural progression here is Sting and Darby against uh, the Sky and Page at Double or Nothing. Uh, Miro and Marger, maybe the deflect here, yeah. um, which could be interesting to a couple big old hosses. Because here's, here, <laughs> after Miro wins, for what seems like this is the third week in a row, <laughs> Sky and Page. Time's running out on TNT. I mean, we're already over the ten minute or ten o'clock mark. Sky and Page come out and attack Sting, and they're very quickly ran off by the Dark Order. Oh yeah, Dark I forgot Order about come, the Dark Order. <laughs> they come out the, the tunnel and run down the stairs, and, and off they go. Um, and boom, music hits. Lance Archer comes out with Jake. And we get a little bit of a stare down. We last thing we see is Miro with the TNT title, and we fade to black. Hey, anytime you get somebody, anytime you get Archer coming out with Snake Man, good night. That's right. I mean, hey, that's the best way to end your night is with Snake Man. <laughs> but no, just okay. We know where we know how this feud is going. We know where these excuse me, who lines up with who, and where we're going from here. But time management again. Everything at the end of the show very rushed. Yes. Indeed, it was. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it was a good match. It was a really good match. Um, I I think it was time, like, the way they've been building it, um, is it was, you know, Miro was the guy, Darby, time to, to drop the belt, Not, you know, nothing against his run as champion, defended it several weeks in a row, and being an undersized babyface, you can only win so many times as the underdog so this was the biggest underdog thing. Good for him to lose. Darby, I'm sure, will, will get it back and continue to let his uh, stock grow. But they've been building something with Paige and Sky and him since he wrestled Scorpio Sky right after uh, Revolution. That's so, true. I mean, it, it's, it, I think it's, it's, it makes sense. I'm fine with it. I, I liked it. I thought it was a really good match overall. And a uh, good way to end the show with the title change. Just a little long. But that's probably because of Cassidy and uh, Pac's match time getting cut and them just trying to fill gaps. But still, how do you go over on the show? Imagine if Pac and Cassidy went the full 20 minutes. Yeah, well, then we don't have the... 
I feel like the Pinnacle promo has a couple minutes. Oh, yeah, I mean, probably cut a little bit there, but still, there. like this match didn't need to be this long. Well, Miro ends the show, the new TNT champion, and we're gonna end this show with our uh, three positives, three negatives, our three ups, our three downs. Yep. Let's get negative right out of the oh, game. Oh yeah, I love it. I love it. Uh, this was tough. Tough to tough to pick just three. Tough to pick just three here. Um, because I have, I have to check my notes here. Um, the ranking system is my number three. It stinks. Okay. My honorable mentions as you get to yours. The three that, the ones that didn't make the cut. Uh, the stadium stampede stipulation does not make my cut. It was considered. The Thunder Rosa match does not make my cut. It was considered. Sky and Page tacking Sting during the picture-in-picture doesn't make my cut. It was considered. And just Rick Knox. Every week. (laughs) Could be a bottom three. But not this week. But he was considered. I'll give you one of my downs, and that was... Yeah, I'll go right here. We'll go... This would be like my number two down. It was... Stadium Stampede being at the inner circle breaks up or loses. They got to break up. This being yep. announced on the same show where we just had that same stipulation. So yep. it, it, didn't yep. like that. Exactly why it's one of my honorable mentions. Didn't make the cut because my number two was the way they cut to Moxley and Kingston into the locker room while SCU having this emotional moment that you're emotionally invested into and it was just treated like bullshit. Yep. Well, actually, I'll, I'll take my... my my number two back, that is my number three. My number two is bringing Jericho back the week after he just got tossed off the damn cage. Okay, I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, my my number one would be the uh, the end of the SCU match. And that's my – them not showing that raw emotional moment and cutting to that backstage. Yeah, my number one downer is going to be the bubbly bath. That was stupid. I, I mean, yeah. We we're all we we're kind of agreeing. Two on and what's three wrong. are kind of the same thing yeah. when it comes to everything had to deal with pinnacle and inner circle there. <laughs> yeah, pinnacle. Agree that pinnacle inner circle thing sucked. Uh, the the Moxley Kingston promo cutting off the inter, uh, the SCU match sucked. And um, well, you probably don't think the ranking system sucks as much as I do, but the stipulation for the stadium stampede we can agree on. Uh, I like the so. rank. I like the idea of the ranking system, I don't uh, like I the agree. Execution. application and execution of it. Yeah. I, I, I agree. But let's get past it here. Alright. I'll start us off. I'll go, uh, my number three would be the IWGP US Championship match. Nagata, Moxley, and not just the match itself, the production uh, beforehand. So, as much as we might bag on production for the negatives, we gotta build them up with the positives. The, the backstage split screen following Nagata out made this match feel more important than what it really is to uh, a dynamite crowd. Uh, so kudos to the production team, kudos to Moxley and Nagata. Uh, well put together, well executed match. I'm going to go with my number three, actually, is the Cody promo. Um, I I just, I don't know, I feel like maybe not right now, but years from now, it will be remembered. And, um, I think that's what he was going for with it. It's going to have longevity. I think he's going to refer, reference it and beat it into our heads that it was a better promo than it really was. And to me, it was a good, solid promo. 
slowly creeping up on uh, Memorial Day weekend, the start of summer, the start of double or nothing, and hopefully another hot summer for AEW as they, uh, they're getting ready to go toward a little bit. So, yeah. Yeah. what is it, a hot boy summer or a good brother summer or whatever it is? Begin, begin in here and get yourself a leather daddy, get yourself some, listen to some yacht rock. And, 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 and find yourself a good snake man. That's right, that's right, snake man. Thanks for listening, folks. We'll catch you later on down the week as I try to end this fucking episode while driving my car. <laughs>